this morning we begin a sermon series on a life of worship. And I have a few introductory remarks, and I want to just um, move a few things and just tell you that the um, shirts up here are not from a leftover flea market, um, but they have a purpose, and we'll figure out what that is in a little while. So um, as we get ready to start this new sermon series, I want to just share a little bit about kind of how it's going to be structured. We mentioned last week that you're going to be doing some pre-reading on the life of David from First and Second Samuel. And then we're going to be um, laying that up against some of the Psalms. And we realize that this is somewhat speculative, but um, there's a correlation in um, the life of David and how that influenced what came out of his prayers and the songs that the church has sung through history. And so um, that's the way it's um, kind of organized. And so each week you'll be doing some pre-reading in preparation so that we can retell the story shortly um, but we, and just paraphrase it. But we're not going to read a big chunk of scripture from um, Samuel and then a big chunk of scripture from Psalms. Okay? Got it? Now, um, credit to Elaine May, Reverend Elaine May from Mayfair. She uh, did a similar series last year and said that the church just really was blessed by this. Um, many other pastors and theologians have studied this. We've um, been online and using other resources well to um, prepare this sermon series for you. And um, John Calvin just really, really, um, theologian, really appreciated the Psalms. And he said that the Psalms would give us everything that we needed for knowing how to praise the Lord, how to, um, oh, shoot now, wouldn't you know it, there's three things. So how to praise the Lord, how to bring our prayers and requests before the Lord, and how to live, right? So Christian living. And that's what we've been studying this year. This year, as you remember, we finished out that long series on Luke where we learned about the life and ministry of Jesus, how he said, come and follow me, and you're going to participate in my kingdom. And then we um, began this series on a life of rest. You remember that? And Jesus said, come to me. And we looked at rest. Then we looked at a life of love. Then we looked at a life of joy. And Paul kept reminding us, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Then we had these two off sermons that um, were special words we felt from the Lord. Again, reminding us, come to me. If you're hungry, you're thirsty, you won't ever be that way anymore because I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, come to me. And then last week he reminded us very clearly, we need to guard our hearts that life comes out of us. And what comes out is what's actually what we're allowing in. And so Christ is in our hearts as Christians, but there's other things as well. And so guard your heart. So we start this sermon series today on looking at a life of worship um, by keeping that in mind, knowing where we've been, and that the Lord is continuing to teach us now through the life of David how to live this Christian life and how to pray and how to worship the Lord in every moment in every situation. And the context of this sermon and this series is um, back in the Old Testament, in the times of um, Israel's early beginnings, they begged for kings and um, God gave them, even though he, that was not best, but he gave them a king and it was King Saul And King Saul did not obey the Lord. 
the Lord told him, wipe out my, um, this enemy, the Amalekites, completely wipe them out. And Saul didn't disobey. He and the others, they um, kept the king alive and some animals alive. And they kind of rationalized why they thought that they knew better than God. And God removed him from leadership. God's looking for someone that will follow him and um, follow instructions and be, have their heart after what God's heart is on. So you did this pre-reading of 1 Samuel. That's where a new king is going to be anointed. You remember that? And so I'm going to tell you the story, but I was wondering last night, how do I tell this story? Because you can tell it with a bunch of different slants. And I thought, do I tell this kind of like the Cinderella story, like the stepsisters that did not want Cinderella to be selected, and so they didn't even want her to go to the ball? How do we know what these brothers were thinking and this dad who didn't even invite David to the time of the selection of the new king? And so if you remember... And maybe if you didn't read, next time read, so you'll know the story that we're talking about. But these shirts represent the seven brothers. And so there's going to be this time of consecration, and now the Lord's going to anoint the new king. And so Jesse says, oh, well, I'll get my sons. And, of course, this is my firstborn, and so he will be the new king. Oh, no, that's not it. Oh, well, my secondborn. He knows how to um, really do a lot of good accounting. Uh, He's got some good skills, and I think that he would be a good king. No. Oh, well, my soccer player. Maybe this, my third son. No, not that one either. Well, my fourth one, he knows how to hunt and fish, and he got a rack that you would not believe. Uh, No, not that one. Well, the one that wears name brand stuff? No. Uh, The one that went to the right school? No. Okay, here's my seventh son. He dressed up for the occasion just in case the first six didn't make the cut. Maybe it's my seventh son. And I think the seventh son was probably adjusting his tie because he just learned how to tie it. And anyway, and no. Jesse, do you have any other sons? Well, just my eighth one. He's out. He's shepherd. He's out with a sheep. Call him. We are not going to sit down. Until he comes. And so here comes David. Little David. God knew him. He created him. He chose him. He commissioned him. The Holy Spirit worked strongly through him after this time. And this is the one that we're going to learn from through his words as he prayed. And so this is a story that we can all relate to in some ways because we all need to be seen and known and in some respects chosen. There's this desire in each of us. Can I get a witness? Yes? Yeah? Do you want to be seen? Do you want to be loved? Do you want to be known, deeply known? That's why we so long for community. There have been recent conversations that I've had and listened in on some. Talked to my sister-in-law, and she said, oh, school's coming back. School's getting started again, and my, my niece is really concerned because what lunch break is she going to get? And will she be with a group of kids that will invite her to sit together? Will she be chosen? Will she be selected? Will she be known? Created lots of anxiety 
in a conversation about how do you put small groups together? Do you let groups form or do you put them in groups? Well, you know, there's different ways to do it. But there's this sense of everybody wants to be connected. And what about those that don't put themselves first or aren't necessarily selected because of this or that, you know, or don't self-promote? What about those people? How do we get people connected? Got another friend who's applied for a position as the director of diversity at a local university. Why do we need a director of diversity? Why do we need this kind of a role? Well, it's because some people have privilege. These seven people back here had some sense of a a role of privilege, you know, and not everybody fits in those clothes or gets to be in that place and gets invited to the spot. And so we need somebody to help us navigate how sin tries to separate us and maybe even judge or eliminate or maybe, you know, as I thought about this, Did David feel left out or did it never cross his mind that he could even possibly be a candidate to be the king? You know, that's the way culture is, that we're so ingrained in it that we just take it for granted that, oh, my role is this. I could never see myself as that. But there are no limitations in God's culture, in the kingdom culture. And so some questions to think about as we think about this story that I just told you from Samuel is how did this event shape David? I think there's great potential for rejection wounds for him. And so did he suffer those? And what did he do to guard his heart? And how did God reveal himself to David through this story and through this life event? So now we're going to read Psalm 139. And I invite you to um, read along with me in your Bible. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will be not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. 
Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you are who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was focused. He was a man who was focused on God. Remember Pastor Dave last week said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that fear, that awe of God. David was a man who was focused on God, and we hear that because right off the bat, you search, you know, you perceive, you discern. The first words out of David's mouth in prayer is highlighting and praising and acknowledging God for who he is and all his activity. David is aware of God's activity in his life moment by moment, day by day, and he starts naming those ways that God's active among him. David has this incredible assurance of who he is in God. And I don't know whether he had that before this life event where he was selected and actually called in from the sheep field to be anointed king or whether that all of a sudden opened his eyes to who he was in relationship to this covenant-keeping God. But certainly, he understands and he teaches us to understand that we are ones that are seen and fully known. Verses 2 and 3, You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my coming out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. When a sheep got out of David's line of view, David couldn't tell whether that sheep was sitting down or standing up, walking. But yet God, he somehow knew that God knew what he was doing all the time because God knew that there was another son and that none of these other seven were it. And so he has this assurance that God sees him and he knows him. He knows everything about him. He actually hears his words before they're even on his tongue. Now, how many of you, when you're going through a hard time, you moan or you sigh, like just, uh. Sometimes there's even these words that aren't even hardly forming yet. God knows every sigh. He knows every groan. He knows the words that are getting ready to come out before they even come out. And what does it mean that somebody's actually listening to us? Don't you know there are times when you go around and you just think, won't anybody listen to me? I've got some things on my heart and I need to talk. And how good it is to know that we have a God that no matter what you're going through, even before you say it, he hears, he knows. And he's saying, just come on, tell me about it. Come on, talk to me about what you're going through. Tell me what's on your heart today. David is assured of being chosen and blessed and protected. That verse 5, I tell you, this is a beautiful passage. You hem me in behind and before. 
You lay your hand upon me. What is he talking about? You hem me in. Well, if you don't know about sewing and you're going to do a hem, what you would do is you'd take the fabric and you'd turn it up once, then you'd turn it up again, and then you'd start to stitch and you'd stitch all the way around it till it's completely stitched. He hems us in. He tucks us in this soft cloth and he turns it up and he turns it up and he stitches it all the way around so that we are completely protected. We're so secure. We're so protected in him. He lays his hand upon me. What does that mean? Well, I think for David, he just was familiar and thinking about his anointing. And what did that mean? That he was blessed, he was commissioned, that he had God's favor. There's protection when somebody's hand is upon you. You know, like, oh, you know, well, like we walk along the curb. Dane wants to walk on the curbside, puts me on the inside, and if anything's coming, he puts his hand upon me. He's protecting me. He's guiding me. He's watching me. David says, you put your hand upon me. You hem me in, and you put your hand upon me. Friends, that's what God does to us. He hems us in. He protects us. He directs us. He watches over us. Then he, David goes into this Psalm verses 7 to 12, and he's basically declaring, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. There's no place, there's no condition where God isn't with me and seeing me and present to me. I'm never excluded. I'm never left out. Right? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then he lists these opposites. The heavens go up high, go down low. And what it's saying is, and everything in between, God is there. And everything in between, God is there. Morning and night, God's there. Where could I go? He's with you. What does it mean to you? What assurance does that give that you're not alone? How many of us have felt alone? And David's words remind us there's not a place that God's presence isn't with us. He's there in that hospital room. He's there in that um, place where you're sitting on the bench crying. He's there when you're waiting for that diagnosis. He's there when you're wondering about whether you're going to get the job or not. Whatever that situation is, God's with you. He's there. David knows. He knows it firsthand. And then he goes into this 13 to 16. God has created me. And I want to say to you, and the scripture says to us today, you're not a mistake. And if you don't hear anything else, hear these words. You are not a mistake. God created you. He designed you. He spoke you into being. And he has plans and purposes for your life. He says, you are fearfully. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Friends, can you say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Say that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to be saying that more to each other because that is the truth. And we need to say it to ourselves and we need to sometimes say it to ourselves until we believe the truth. And the truth will set us free. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. He's kind of given a poetic way of saying, when I was being formed in the womb, you saw me, you called me forth, you knew me then. Even before I started to develop limbs, 
You saw my unformed body. Friends, this is amazing, really. Think about this. Medical took a long time before we got ultrasound and could see the development of an embryo. And yet David's saying, God saw me when I was just those two united cells, that first moment of conception. God called me, and he's known my unformed being. He has known you since the time you were conceived, and God has plans and purposes for each of us. That changes everything. For some of us, have you ever known anybody, or maybe you felt this way, where you just think, I don't know why I was ever even born. I've met with people. I've prayed with people. I've sometimes even wondered that myself. There are down times. And sometimes you just need to hear the scripture and you need to know the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knew you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. All your days are ordained by him. He has a purpose for each life here. He has a purpose for each life here. He loves, he creates, he calls, and he has purpose. And then David just goes into this awe of God in verses 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. He's talking about how smart God is. He's saying, you know so much, I can't even wrap my brain around it. How do you know so much, God? And I was thinking about that this week. And this is part of the fear of the Lord, is remembering who God is and how big he is and how smart he is and how amazing God is. I was thinking about how much God knows. I was thinking this week about um, he counts the stars and he puts them all in place and gives them a name. And I'm thinking, how many stars are there? So I asked Siri, hey, Siri, how many stars are there? There's three, uh, 10 to the 23rd power. All right. So, folks, I don't know how you are with math, but I, that means 10 with 23 zeros on it. I don't even know how to count that far. Like tens, hundreds, thousands, 10,000, 100,000, million, a billion, a trillion. I don't know what goes after that, but 23 zeros. Three times 10 to the 23rd power. God made all those stars. He names them. He made each of you. He's known every one of your thoughts from the time that you've had a thought and even before you spoke a word and he knows it and he's so amazing and if I could count them it would be like the sand so I was sitting looking at dirt yesterday some sandy dirt that's what pastors do is they sit around and they think and so I'm sitting around thinking about this dirt and I'm looking at this it's a sandy dirt soil and I'm thinking if I had like a, just a cubic inch of that, I wonder how many grains of sand would be in it and if I could just count that much. And I wonder if I could count how many grains of sand are in this plot of land. Then I started thinking about we live in Michigan and there's a lot of shoreline and how many grains of sand are in the big sleeping bear dunes and all around our parameter and then all around our nation and our continent And then the world, and then I started thinking about, and then there's layers of dirt. How could you count how many grains of sand there are? And God, his thoughts, how much he knows, is bigger than that. I was worshiping the Lord 
I wanted to lay down where I was and just worship God out prostrate, but I was in a public place. All right? So I didn't do it. But believe me, I've been worshiping the Lord, thinking about how much he knows and how much he knows and how amazing it is and what grace it is that he knows a little shepherd boy and he calls a little shepherd boy to be the king. And he calls you and me to be Christians. To, he chooses us out. He calls us to represent his kingdom and participate his kingdom in the world. Think about how God is and who he is. And it is mind-boggling. And so David is so passionate that he just like starts going, I'm aligning myself with you, God, and your enemies are going to be my enemies, and I just hate them. And anyway, and you think, my mom told me not to even say the word hate. What is he doing? All right. But what he is is he's just with passion saying, you are my God. I'm, I love you. I'm aligning myself and my life with you, but I recognize that I might be misled or deceived, and so please search me again. And so he starts with this search, and he ends with this request to search Because he knows we could be deceived. But he's saying, I want to align my life with you. I want to live for you. I want want your plans to be my plans. Your enemies to be my enemies. Your loved ones to be my loved ones. I I want to have your heart. And that's what David's known for, is being a man after God's own heart. He's humble. He's teachable. He's saying, keep, search me. I know you've already done it. Search me. Keep on searching me. And keep on loving me. Help me see things the way that you see them. God keeps revealing himself through scripture. I can't tell you how many times as I've read this passage or had other people read it out loud, how the Lord just starts to shape them and tell them, I've known you. I've known you. Since before you were in the womb, I have plans for you. And I'm looking at one right now that the Lord has plans for. He has shaped. He has called. He is going to raise up. And I'm looking at many of you. And I'm looking at you and I'm saying, God has a plan for your life. He's created you. He knows you. He's called you. Have you answered? Have you answered his call? Have you said, yes, Lord, you are my God. I believe in you. I want to align myself and my life with you. Have you said that? Yeah. Praise God. He's called and he commissions. He has plans and purposes for each one of our lives. You know, how many of us feel like, I'm just a whatever. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a teacher i'm just a mentor i'm just a whatever and the lord takes us and he says i've got plans for you i want to use you i want you to participate in my kingdom as dane prayed in prayer about our city and revival and all of a sudden it was like How many of you would ever imagine that God would use you in an instrumental way in bringing revival in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the world? And I believe today the Lord would say, I'm calling you. 
I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to align your life with my life and my purposes. Will you answer? Will you be in awe of me? You don't have to know how to do it. Remember, David didn't have the qualifications. There was nothing that qualified him except that God called him, and then he commissioned him. He anointed him. And you, my friends, you and I, as Christians, if you're a Christian, you share the anointing of the Holy Spirit with Jesus himself. And he has a call and a purpose. Are you willing to say yes? Do you hear him saying, I know you, I've loved you, I'll keep loving you, and I want you to tell the rest of the world that I'm a God who loves. And I sent my son Jesus to die on that cross to give the opportunity for life. David ends with these words. He ends with saying, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me as one who's seen, who's known, who's chosen, who's commissioned. This is the way everlasting to live in a dynamic relationship with the God of the universe. We say yes. Will you come in off the field and take whatever it is that God wants to commission and anoint you with? I mean, it'll be the Holy Spirit, but for the purpose of whatever that purpose is, Are you willing to come in off the field, lay down your life and say, all right, if you want me to lead sheep, I'll lead sheep. If you want me to teach Bible study, I'll do that. I'll lead a small group. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll I'll be a Christian in my workplace. I'll be a witness to you in my friendship, in my conversation. Will you say yes? Remember, he sees you. And he knows you, he loves you, he's chosen you. Let's pray. Our good and great and gracious God, would you look at our heart's positions right now before you? Lord, as we say yes to your call, as we say yes to your love, would you help us to receive your love, to even more believe that you know us that intimately and that you have good plans and purposes for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.